Hello and welcome to the first official episode of the Go SoCal podcast. SoCal is a full-service auto-focus agency, and this podcast is dedicated to the advertising trends, tips, and tricks within the automotive industry. My name is Drew Wilson, and I am just one of your hosts for the Go SoCal podcast. Today, you will hear my co-host Katie Saunders interview Yates Creech, one of our account managers here at SoCal. In this episode, Yates discusses the importance of dealership websites, how to increase lead form conversion rates, and additional tips on digital retailing. And before we dive in, I want to let you know this episode is brought to you by Zoom Dealership Integration, one of SoCal's latest products that integrates Zoom on the VDP and SRP of your website. Zoom is a fast and safe way to meet with your potential customers. To learn more, visit GoSoCal.com or just check out the links in the description. And now, let's get into the interview. So Yates, thank you so much for joining us on the first episode of the Go SoCal podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So tell me a little bit about you and how long you've been at SoCal and what you did um, before you worked here. I was uh, born and raised in Raleigh, North Carolina. I now live in Charlotte uh, and working out of the Charlotte office. Uh, I've worked for SoCal for eight years. And before this, I worked at a psychiatric hospital for the state of North Carolina. A mental hospital. Were you a patient there? Very funny. I get that a lot. Uh, no, I was a behavior behavior specialist. So I basically worked with patients on basically um, adjusting their behaviors. So getting them to take medication or go to classes when they didn't want to down to simple tasks, like trying to get them to take a shower. Um, But I tell dealerships all the time, it has not been a big transition um, working at a psychiatric hospital um, to working with car dealerships. Well, Yates, we wanted you to be our first guest because we know how important a dealership's website is. And we heard your dealers have some of the highest converting dealership websites in the country. So can you explain why a dealership's website is so important today? Of course. So a dealership's website is basically the digital version of your brick and mortar uh, store. Uh, The days of a family driving past a bunch of dealerships on a Sunday to kick tires is pretty much gone. Rarely will anyone call or step foot on a lot without going online first. Shoppers are going to visit the website of all the dealerships, they're going to check their reviews. I mean, we're at the point even where people Google directions to go two blocks from their homes. And it's not because they don't know how to get there. They just want to make sure that they have the fastest route with traffic. So at a minimum, car buyers are going to go online, even if they know they want to visit you um, and get an oil change, if only to check your hours and directions. So if your traffic is all going through a digital filter before reaching your store in person, um, you can see why a dealership's website would be so important. It can literally make break uh, a business. So a great website will be engaging and easy, easy to use for consumers and get them the information they need. But most importantly, it'll get customers starting a conversation with the store um, because it's hard to sell a car without starting a conversation with a customer. And I think that's something that a lot of dealers need to, to take a look at. Um, so the conversation starts online. And if you don't make it easy or compelling for customers to start that conversation online, you're going to lose a lot of business on the physical lot. Oh, wow. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Uh, I think too many dealers focus on how attractive or sleek their site looks. Um, They have really good intentions, but they see large auto retail companies, um, you know, national auto retail companies or other industries. And they think, Hey, we need to make our site look like that. Or, Oh, I like uh, this website. We should look like that. The problem is car dealerships don't have the same business model as a clothing store, Apple, um, or even large auto retailers on average. So 
the, the average new car franchise store is selling a different product and selling it in a different way than all these other retailers. So they have to have a different um, um, message to customers and experience on their website to address those different needs. So Yates, what do you consider a good metric to look at for website performance? I would say you should look at a couple metrics, not just one, but I think the most common thing I hear dealers complain about um, before they work with SoCal is they just want more opportunities to sell. Um, for that reason, I'd go with what the main pain point is, which is um, I would look at how many leads, chats, texts, phone calls a site provides um, as the most important metric for success. Um, most specifically, the lead form conversion rate of it is a good metric to follow. So I know a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with what a lead form conversion rate is, but can you just go ahead and just explain what that is? Sure. Um, the lead form conversion rate is just the total number of lead forms filled out on your website in a given time period, usually a month. And you divide the total number of lead forms you get in a month by the total number of unique visitors to your website. Um, and basically that gives you a percentage number. And that percentage number is the percent of visitors uh, that are giving you their information when they come on to the site. So if that conversion rate is 5%, that means 5% of the visitors coming to that website are giving you their information. And what would you consider a good conversion rate? That's a tricky question because the national average of all dealerships in the country um, for their website conversion rate is around one to two percent. Um, so anything higher than that is quote unquote good, but the higher the better obviously. Um, I would say SoCal sites typically get much higher conversion rates than that. Specifically, uh, the stores I handle, my average conversion rate is about 8%. And the best performing site I have um, has reached 15%. So why do SoCal sites get such a higher conversion rate compared to the others? Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the site itself, of course. But uh, one thing people... Um, often overlook is the traffic going to the site. If a conversion rate is the number of leads divided by the traffic going to the site, then you gotta look at both sides of those. Once they're on your site, you need to make it easy to use your site. Um, there's plenty of studies that have shown the more difficult your website is to navigate or the more pages you require someone to click on, the more people give up and leave your site. Um, there's little tricks and tools that can make it easier and faster for people to find the content they're looking for. Um, just a couple examples would be uh, having dynamic searching and search bars on your website, um, utilizing endless scrolling on inventory pages, and uh, having detailed rich SRPs that don't require someone to click on a VDP just to get information on the vehicle. Um, I'd say probably the most important thing to a conversion rate is giving people ways to submit their information in multiple places and formats um, and giving them a good reason to give you their information. Wow, it sounds like there's a lot that goes into a dealership's website that people might not think about. For sure. Um, and I think that's why it's so important to partner with someone who knows the ins and outs of a dealership website and can separate themselves from the personal opinions or shopping habits of a dealership um, owner or manager manager or staff or internet manager um, because too often dealers build their websites around their own ideas and preferences and they do this instead of building the website based on performance. Um, the problem is most dealership GMs, owners, or even staff don't buy a car like the rest of us and they aren't the main demographic for their own buyers. Um, you need to separate yourself from your website and let the stats speak for themselves just because you think a button is ugly or let's say a dealer doesn't like the color red 
that doesn't mean that your customers don't feel that way. Um, they may like the color red and click on it. So try different things, watch the stats and go with what works for your customers. Um, a great example of this would be web slides. Um, that's another name for those art banners that have the deals on them. Dealers love things and they always want them big and front and center on their homepage. But when you look at heat maps, which actually show where people are hovering over things and clicking on things, most people don't even like hover over those deal slides. They usually go straight to view new vehicles, view used vehicles or schedule service. For that reason, uh, usually on my websites, I put very large navigation options um, where web slides would normally go so that people can get to that really quickly. Um, and I had a dealer once tell me I'd rather have the ugliest website that I hate the looks of, but that it gets me as many opportunities as possible. And I don't think you have to give up aesthetics to that point, but he basically was saying he didn't care if he liked the website. If it gave him opportunities to sell cars, that's what he cared about. He cared about selling cars. So the great thing about increasing con uh, uh, conversion rates on a site is that it doesn't have to cost the dealer more money. Um, I had a dealer um, that hired SoCal and he said, do whatever you want on my website, create whatever website you want. I just want it to work. So he went from getting about 600 website leads a month to within the first month, he got over 2000 website leads. And the second month he got 2,500 website leads, which is some of the, the most website leads I've seen at a store in a month. And he did all that without increasing his marketing budget. He actually got so many opportunities that he decreased his marketing budget and had to hire a bunch more staff and BDC. So you don't have to spend more money to get uh, more opportunities. Uh, if you can close a higher percentage of people that are already on the website, you don't have to pay to bring more people to that site. Does that make sense? So how can a dealer get a 15% lead form conversion rate on their site when the national average is just between one and 2%? So every store is different. Every brand has different shoppers and different demographics and shopping habits and every market is different. So one thing that I always uh, like to stay away from is like a cookie cutter approach and just, you know, if this worked here, it's going to work everywhere. I, it doesn't work like that. So you really got to take every store on a, as a new um, challenge and basically go from the ground up. There's certain things that, that work usually, but you still, you want to put those on and, change things and see what it does to the conversion rate. And it's through that sort of ratcheting system of, of, oh, that made it worse, that made it better, this made it even better. Over months, you can get it up higher and higher and higher. Click around, play around with all these tools, remove any unnecessary navigation tabs or dropdowns. People don't like too many choices. Help make it easy for them. Um, give them as few options as possible to get to the stuff they actually need instead of just having fluff on your website. Um, I, I, I would just summarize all that by saying test different lead generation tools. Um, just changing a button color from blue to red has made a couple percent difference in some of my conversion rates. Don't estimate anything on your website. Everything on your website plays into your performance. Um, so don't change too many things all at once or else you won't be able to identify what is actually affecting what. I'd change one or two things at a time, see what happens after a few days or a week, and then try the next thing. So we all know that a lot of industries are dealing with COVID-19 right now. And when that hit really hard towards the end of March, a lot of dealers started looking for ways to continue to sell cars, even when their showrooms couldn't stay open. So how did dealership sites change during COVID-19? Uh, I think in the first few days, everyone was 
literally scrambling um, and running around um, like chickens with their heads cut off. You know, we, we need pages, we need uh, content. Um, everyone was trying to make pages and content about their, their cleaning regiments and social distancing and other practices that they were doing at the dealership to make customers feel safer. Um, but the main thing dealers did was they embraced digital retailing. Um, most sites I checked, uh, though, it took them a long time to get a lot of that content or digital retailing built out. Um, it wasn't, you know, the first day, um, you know, COVID came around, all these things happened. Uh, it, it took some time, but I, I would say probably the most talked about thing for dealers right now is digital retailing or buying online. Uh, most people use the term digital or online retailing or even buying online. But what many people neglect to realize is that most consumers don't want to buy a vehicle completely a hundred percent online. Um, while customers may prefer to do parts of the buying process online, um, there's actually been studies of uh, car buyers from last year. And what it found was that a majority of customers do not want to do the complete car buying process online. And most customers would still like to work with a real person at some point during that process. Um, in addition, the study found that a majority of buyers would not buy a vehicle without having a physical test drive first. Um, so a more appropriate term for what people are probably looking for would be like buying from home or even starting the buying process at home versus calling it just buying online or retailing. Um, again, a lot of dealers look at, you know, successful companies like Amazon um, and they're like, oh, we need to do that with cars. Everyone loves Amazon. Everyone likes next day um, shipping and everything, but buying a car isn't like buying dish soap from Amazon. Every vehicle is different and buying a vehicle is probably a, a huge deal to people. It's probably the second largest purchase they're going to make other than buying a house. Um, so, uh, Looking at buying a home, for example, that's a that's a, a good thing to look at. People don't buy homes online. Um, they may find a home online. They may discover their realtor on Facebook through recommendations, and they may even get their mortgage on their phones. Um, look at Rocket Mortgage. Um, that was a huge success. Uh, but they don't buy a home online, and it's very similar to buying a car. Car and home buyers like to do a lot of upfront work online uh, without the hassle of leaving their homes or meeting face to face. But both both car and home buyers do like human interaction in the process and they want to see the products that they're buying in person because they're spending so much money on it. it it's a bigger deal than buying dish soap. Um, you know what Dawn dish soap is no matter if you buy it on Amazon or at the grocery store and Amazon, you can just return it if it doesn't work out. It's not like that with buying a, a home or a car. So you have to remember to keep the human element in the buy from home process and dealers should consider this when implementing those type of tools on their site. Um, remember before COVID, most people's motivation for, for uh, buying from home seemed to be they just wanted to move as much of the process up front and do the heavy lifting before they got to the dealership. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't want to work with a human. It just means they didn't want to spend four to five hours in a, in a dealership. Uh, they'd like to come to an agreement on price and trade and things like that before coming in. They wanted to make sure that you had the car. Um, and now with COVID, people are turning to buy from home out of necessity. It's not like, oh, all of a sudden everyone wants to buy a car from home. It's simply they don't feel safe to leave their homes or visit a dealership um, or their local mandates won't allow them to do so. So you should consider that, that, you know, this isn't something that everyone's wanting to do necessarily. It's just part of the new normal. Um, so you shouldn't sacrifice large streams of opportunities on your site for a small subset of shoppers. Um, should you have digital retailing on your site? Absolutely. But should it be the only option and the only tool or way to buy a car? Um, absolutely not. 
Um, a lot of dealers have made digital retailing their sole experience on their site. They made it to where the only way you can get information on a car is through the digital retailing tool. And that's a mistake because not everyone wants to buy a car that way. So give customers options. So are there any drawbacks to adopting and embracing digital retailing on a dealership's website? So um, one issue uh, with most online retailing tools is that they give customers way too much information without requiring any information from the customer. And this can cause a lot of, of, of issues. So number one, some people give the, uh, some digital retailing tools give customers uh, too much credit. Uh, they think that most people know um, what they know as a, as a person who works at a dealership. Um, and most people don't know uh, what a lease is or how it works. Most people don't know that a payment is variable and it can go up or down depending on your down payment, your trade and your financing terms and all this. So many dealers hear me say that and they're like, no way, you know, our, our customers know what a lease is and how that works. And they know, you know, payments are variable, but uh, I challenge dealers to ask their customers and their neighbors. And you'd be surprised how little people know about buying a car without the assistance of a salesperson or someone they know that knows about it, guiding them. So when digital retailing tools slap an, an estimated payment on a screen, which is what a lot of the do um, and let's say it's uh, on a Camry with 10% down automatically and 3.99% financing and so on um, I'm just throwing out a random number let's say there's a payment that shows up on this digital retailing tool of $415 a month for a Camry well some people would see that and they won't take the time to figure out that that payment's variable. They, they just see that and they go, oh, I can't afford that or I'm not paying that for a Camry and they leave. And if they go onto another dealer's website and they see a special and it says 149 a month for a Camry, you know, they may start that conversation with that dealer, especially if there's not a payment on, on their digital retailing tool. Um, so you just have to, don't give customers too much credit and so much information up front that they're left to their own devices um, and, and it could scare them if they get, you know, a payment or a price without being followed up with the human element explaining what goes into that. Um, the number two potential is issue with digital retailing is customers can get all the information they need and leave the website, your website, and go price shop you against another dealership. So you leave the whole buying process in the customer's hands, which is actually a dangerous place as a business owner. You're completely cut out of the conversation and customers are basically given all your info to shop against you. And if your price doesn't compete with other dealers, you're out of the race. Uh, often the, the customer's not gonna come back to you and say, hey, can you counter this price? Um, you're basically saying, here's all the pricing info, go and come back if, if you decide you wanna buy. Um, and I would equate that to on the, on the lot, you know, a, a be back, someone says, I'll be back. Um, a salesperson that lets someone just walk off the lot without getting a manager takeover, or, oh, I need to go think about it tonight and I'll come back tomorrow. Oh my gosh, the sales manager would be all over that salesperson and say, why'd you let that customer leave? We never, you know, let a customer leave and think about it because the chances are they're not going to come back. Um, why do we do that online? That's what you're doing when you put all this information online and you're saying, hey, you know what, look at these numbers and uh, think about it on your own time and come back when, when you're ready. Um, most dealers would not do that on the lot. So um, don't do it digitally. Uh, so the third possible issue would be it can cost you a lot of money in your, in your profit uh, and in, if you're in your F&I if it's not managed correctly. 
Um, and then uh, to wrap that all up, the, the biggest drawback is you give customers all the information they want without requiring any contact info, which I said before. But what that does is it drops your opportunities dramatically. Um, I, I suggest gating your digital tool, which just means asking the customer to, to put in their contact information to unlock the digital retailing tool. Um, I had a, I've had several dealers put on digital retailing tools without gating them, and the average uh, uh, lead uh, uh, count went down about 60% uh, over all my dealers. So that's a huge drop in leads, going down 60% just from putting a digital retailing tool on without gating it. So um, he went back to gating those the, that digital retailing tool, and not only did his leads go back up, they actually increased because now he was giving people the regular shopping experience, but also a form of digital retailing if they wanted to. So you can either cater to the majority of your shoppers or a small minority. I'd play the majors over the minors. What digital retailing tool do you suggest using? There are a ton of great providers out there. Um, there are some that are not that great, um, but I would suggest using one, no matter which one you use, uh, that isn't just looking to make their tool or company look good. I think that's one of the biggest problems I've run into is, you know, companies are going to look out for themselves and they want to make themselves look good so that you continue buying them month after month. But a problem occurs when a, a digital retailing tool only cares about getting as many opportunities out of their tool, no matter what cost it comes at from all your other tools. So basically they're okay with you going down on 60% in your opportunities, as long as they pick up more opportunities and they can say, Hey, keep paying. We're doing our part and we have nothing to do with all this other stuff that's gone down. Um, I'd look for a partner that cares about your net opportunities, regardless of their tool um, and what it's individually getting. You want something that's going to play nice with all the other tools and not cannibalize opportunities from it. Um, that said, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, you know, SoCal, um, our company offers a buy from home solution um, that is frankly probably the, the lowest cost I've seen. It's $399 a month, whereas most providers are close to seven to uh, $700 to $1,000. Um, and unlike most digital retailing tools that take weeks to implement, this tool can literally be on the dealer's site the same day. And I'd say the most important thing is it doesn't decrease your total leads like other tools do. Um, it actually increases them because it is playing nice with all the other uh, lead generation things on a dealer's website. Yates, that is the number one question or concern from dealers that are on SoCal sites with the website? Yeah, so um, a lot of people don't believe me when I answer this question, um, but then I you know, give them uh, dealerships to, to ask them that directly. The number one concern our dealers have um, or, or issue if they're on a SoCal site is actually that they get too many opportunities. And that sounds so silly because, you know, most people have never heard a dealer say that, um, but that's the most common thing we hear um, is that dealers don't have enough staff or BDC um, to handle the increase in opportunities from going on one of our websites. I mean, just imagine if your dealership was operating at a one to 2% conversion rate and we all of a sudden increase that overnight to 15%, could you handle a 15 or, or, or 10 to 15 fold uh, increase in your opportunities? Would you close them at the same percentage? Would you schedule the same amount of appointments uh, in terms of the same appointment scheduling rate? No, you're, you're gonna get overwhelmed and not be able to handle them as well. So a lot of our dealers, we shift marketing budget into career fairs and BDC tools to help people close more opportunities 
with, uh, with limited uh, amounts of people. So that would be the most common uh, concern people have or, or issue if they're on one of our websites. So if you brought on a new client today, what's the first thing that you would look for on their current site? So I look at a lot of things. We go really into a deep dive, uh, looking at every single page and the back end and the meta and stuff. Um, but the three top things I would look at is the responsiveness of the website. Um, so what that means is, you know, back in the day, you used to have a mobile site and a desktop site, and you'd run both of them. And then they came out with a hybrid responsive site. Um, to check if a website's responsive, um, there's a, a minus symbol in the top right of, uh, of desktop and laptop computer screens. Um, and then there's an X to the far right. And in between the two, there's two squares. Uh, if you click that, it will allow you to adjust the scene. And if you just drag your screen smaller and smaller, uh, you, if your site is responsive, you'll see these puzzle pieces all move around on the site. Um, and if you get small enough that it's like a cell phone screen, sometimes content will go off the screen where you can't read it. That means your site's not fully responsive and Google will penalize you on, on organic ranking if you don't have a fully responsive site. And there's a whole host of other issues about not having a responsive site, a fully responsive site. So that's the number one first look at. And then number two is um, dealerships don't have specials on their sites at all times, <clears throat> especially when the months change over. Um, I, I go to dealerships websites, click specials, and it says specials coming soon. That's a huge problem. People love deals. They still work. People love gimmicks um, and getting a good deal. And so when you don't have those available to customers and they reach a dead page, that's a pretty bad look on a, on a dealer's website. Um, the third thing is uh, having a why buy message. Why buy from us versus the other dealer? Why, would it, why should I buy a Ford from you instead of the Ford dealership five miles down the road? You can buy a Camry at five different Toyota stores. Uh, why should I buy one from you? So I would come up with a, a why buy program. Um, I would brand it with a name, an icon, a logo. I'd put a badge on all my cars. Um, I'd have point of purchase materials in the showroom, pamphlets and everything. And basically what that's gonna do is that's gonna take the conversation off of price and onto some other value proposition. Um, it's very powerful, it can help with gross and it can help you sell a lot more cars when you, know, you can buy a Nissan Altima anywhere, but you can only buy a Nissan Altima with the blank blank family program or the blank blank manage um, here at blank blank Nissan. So Yates, thanks again for being our very first guest on the Go So Cal podcast. I know I had a lot to say uh, as usual, but uh, uh, it's a really interesting topic and it's, it's a really important topic for dealers. So uh, I hope that uh, people got a lot out of it. You provided a lot of really good information and I hope those that are listening um, got some you know, really good tips and tricks from it. Um, so yeah, thanks again. So we hope you found this conversation helpful, especially when it comes to setting up a dealership website and best retailing practices. All of our account managers are dedicated to making sure dealerships have everything they need to run successful advertising campaigns and serve their customers well. On the next episode, our special guest will be AJ Olson, talking to us about automation in advertising. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on social media. YouTube, and of course our website, all of which you can find in the description for easy access.
Again, this episode was brought to you by Zoom Dealership Integration, a powerful plugin that allows customers to set up virtual meetings with just the click of a button. And you can learn more all about that by clicking the link in the description. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe here on Apple or Spotify to be notified when more episodes come out. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, go forward.